Welcome to Reconstructed Podcast, where we share stories that are so forked up, it makes you take a step back and reconstruct the way we look at others. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tiffany. We might drop an F-bomb or two, so get your helmets ready, friends. All the disclaimers and resources for this episode are in the podcast notes below this episode. Today, we're going to hear from Robert and how trauma was the gateway drug. Thanks for listening. Hey, friends. So today we are here with Robert. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, first off, my name is Robert. Um, I'm 30 years old and a small business owner, motorcycle racer, and Latin dancer. Tell me about your family unit. So I lived in... uh... New York for a little while with my mom, moved around a lot. Um, Parents got divorced when I was young. Uh, I have a twin brother, an older half-brother, and an older half-sister. And then I have three cousins on my mom's side and three cousins on my dad's side. Um, So it was a pretty big family, Um, good holidays and stuff like that. Um, You know, just life, you know, like, Watching my, and looking back older, looking back on it now, like watching my mom, like, pin my dad against us when we were kids and stuff like that, and then seeing the effects it had on us. Like, I resented my dad for a long time growing up, and I really had no reason to. So it kind of built a little resentment towards my mom, and, like, at the end of it, it was just, uh, it was wild. My dad's still alive. My mom passed away uh, 2018, right after I got out of jail. So thankfully, I was able to see her before she did pass away and stuff like that. So, yeah. so when I was younger, before the divorce, uh, like I literally, from what I can remember, it was a pretty good childhood. You know, we were like the last house on a dead end street, big backyard. You know, we were we were the spot to be. Like all the kids would come hang out and stuff like that. And then my parents got divorced and my mom moved um, around the corner and like from that point on it was like the beginning of an isolation period because my mom would move around so much. We, we changed like from uh, like all over like five or six different places and like it got to the point where I was a kid and like I'd go into the school and I'd like not even try and make friends because I knew I was going to know them for more than six months. Were they generally nice to you when you went into a new school? I mean like I was in schools in Florida, like New New York, New Jersey, like I did schools in North Carolina here for a little bit, you know, like all before my high school, you know, like it was, Mm. it was wild, you know, and like it just grew this isolation of myself and just kind of numb to everything. I wouldn't say I got closer to any siblings. I'm further apart now from all my siblings than anything, you know, and it's like I've been through so much in my life and like I just don't have the effort to try for people that don't even see a change in somebody anymore. And it's put that much of a stent on me with my siblings and family because I look at it like, I don't know. It's like they still think of me like years. Like years little ago, kid. Little kid. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. Like, I've done so many things in my life. I've experienced so much more than probably most of them. Um, And it's just... And I think that's what's important, though, is, like, your experience. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what molds a person, is the experience that they live. where wisdom comes in. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is experience. I just saw something about that and was like, wow, I've never even thought about there being a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, knowledge isn't wisdom. Me and my twin brother are a perfect example of that. My twin brother is book smart, you know, like schooling, was really good at testing and stuff like that. And I'm I'm more on the street smart, common sense side. I love my brother. Like I love my sister and my older brother. Like my older half brother is probably the only one that I could call and have a conversation with and like talk like nothing you know what i'm saying my sister there's a lot of resentment there my my twin brother i could probably call and talk to him but he probably wouldn't answer and probably text me you know what i'm saying 
my older half-brother would probably answer the phone if he knew it was me calling. Why do you think your mom moved around so much? Oh, my mom was a drug addict growing up, so... Like, your whole life? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Most of it until she got sick and I moved back down here, and then it was pain pills and stuff like that. And, uh, like, when I was going through my addiction, I got clean and, like, started my path on recovery and resented my mom a lot because she was a big enabler for my addiction. You know, like, um, my mom had a prescription pill for painkillers, you know, and, like, my shoulder would hurt or something like that from past injuries, and I would just get something from her, and then that five or six years later, it turned into a full-blown habit. Granted, I was balls to the walls with other things in my life, you know, so it wasn't just her, and, like, after I got out of jail and I, like, she was getting closer to her deathbed, I kind of realized, like, oh, shit, maybe I need to go talk to her. And I actually got to spend time with her before she passed away and stuff, and it was it was very needed, and I'm glad I did that. You know, was your like, dad an addict? Uh, my dad was an alcoholic, so, like, I grew up, whenever I was spending time with my dad, it was we were either in a bar or a restaurant eating food, he was getting drunk, or, you know, like, so addiction just kind of revolved in my side of the family. When were you aware of addiction? Young, very young. My self-awareness has been like probably more than it should have been since I was young. Like before my mom and dad got divorced and they got divorced when I was probably like six or seven, um, I would notice my dad would call my mom into the bathroom and then my mom would call my dad into the bathroom and they would flip flop. And I'm, I'm young at this point. I still lived in the dead end house, you know, so it was, yeah, it was, I wasn't even like, yeah, it was, it was very early, and it kind of like, when everything started changing, and I started isolating more, it became stronger, if that makes sense, yeah, and it kind of like scared me, and I wasn't ready for it, I'm still not ready for it now, I have to, <laughs> Go on record and say, I've known Robert for some time now. Years. I don't know. How long has it been? Eight years? At least seven or eight. Yeah, seven or eight years. And I have seen different shades of this person. Different Di shades of Robert. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool, though. <laughs> different, like, different <laughs> levels, different, like... And it's not been forced, it's just been from the sidelines a lot of the time. And I can contest to seeing a change in a person over a course of time. And it's actually pretty cool. Like, it's a pretty cool thing to see someone evolve and truly see that there is a clear difference. Like, he's not going backwards, he's not dabbling back in the past. Like, he's actually making a conscious choice to say, hey, I'm done with whatever this may be. Like... So I can contest that he does do these things. Like he's, I don't know, I, it's, it can happen. You can do anything you set your mind to. Exactly. So your brothers, your siblings, should I say, when you were in all these different places, did they feel isolated, do you know? Like was it a whole family thing or did you, were you like the black sheep? Like, my brother was kind of, like, growing up, everybody, like, oh, uh, he's going to he's gonna be the one to take care of us. He's so the golden child. And stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I started working right out of high school. I barely made it out of high school. I started right in the real world working. I grew up in a mechanic shop, so I kind of had a rough side of life and common sense already figured out before, like, 18, you know. So yeah. like, I, was more, I was more aware. My brother just kind of was like that and then I, I noticed later on in life um, that he actually was drinking and had vices as well in his life you know and it was because he looked everybody looked up to him and he felt like he failed you know like and I, I was kind of I felt and I felt that energy and I felt upset for him and I was like you could always call me because I thought I was the only one in the family that suffered from Addiction. And that's why I do what I do now is because I'm just like, no matter what it is, there's, I'll always be better than you think I am. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
So, and that's, I don't know. A trauma response to feeling unseen. Absolutely. You're going to be seen because, yeah. like, you're seeable, basically. I don't. That sounds stupid, but no, I mean, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Sense, yeah. it, it actually, it, it, that makes perfect sense. That, that is exactly what that trauma response is. It says, if you can't see me, I'm going to make you see me. I did the same thing growing up. <laughs> I was never seen, so I was always doing more to be seen. Because, yeah. like... I'm a badass. And that's know? what, like, and that goes back to, like, being a kid. Like, bad kids just want to, like, feel affection from their parents. You know what I'm saying? And that's where, like... So were they affectionate people to you? Did you hear I love you growing up? Absolutely. Um, I'm proud of you, never. Maybe I love you, but, like, never I'm proud of you. Like, my dad says I'm proud of you more now. And I have a closer relationship with my dad than anybody. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, but he says I'm proud of you and I love you more now than I ever heard growing up. But like that's when you need that reinforcement is growing up. Like Absolutely. you need to know Absolutely. that that it's unconditional love. I feel like is what that is. It's like knowing that no matter what you do, wrong or right, they're still gonna be there and love you. Yeah. And so not having that can really, I feel like. Yeah, it makes you seek for it elsewhere. Like you're always looking for a love that you never got. Yeah. So is that what you feel like maybe brought you into your addiction? Oh, absolutely. Like the whole stem of addiction like comes from filling a void and stuff like that. And addiction has like a negative stigma about it. You know, it's it's just people going through life and they're trying to help heal their traumas. They might not know exactly what's going on. They might not make it out of it, you know. It's, but this makes it feel better. Yeah. And that's what people need to be focusing more on addiction is things like that instead of these treatment centers that just put you around more addicts and more connections and more Well, they treat you like a pariah like almost. Like you, <laughs> I don't even know, I've not ever been an addict, my dad was, but I feel like as a man specifically with addiction or any kind of mental health, you're treated differently as though like you're not strong enough. And I feel like that would be hard. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's that we're not strong enough. It's that our feelings don't matter. A man's mental health is looked at like... Toughen up. Yeah, toughen up. Be better. Nobody cares. You know, like, the suicide numbers for men are like 56, uh, 5,600,000, like, a year. I think mm-hmm. men are... Like 12 men a minute. You 70% more likely to commit suicide than women or something like they, that? Yeah. And I can see that. Like, I see where men, like, you just, especially our parents' age and, like, Mm -hmm. their parents and the way their dads talked to them was, like, don't be a little bitch. Yeah. And, like, you can't have emotions or that makes you a little bitch and you can't have feelings. Like, you're not strong. Yeah. It's, like, we're so conditioned into what others think of us that it, like... I don't know. I'm going on a tangent. Well, I think it's a good tangent, though, because it goes to say, like, if you have someone that has can be condi- has been conditioned to be that way and think that way, over time, it trickles down. And it just, it's pressure, and then pressure, and then pressure, and it becomes a powder keg. And then you do have suicides. Then you do have addiction, because it's... like nobody can deal with that amount of pressure nobody can deal with not being who they were designed to be and I feel like it makes those people human too like your dad and your mom absolutely they obviously to get to that point they they had their shit like they had their own shit that they couldn't get past but like you get to decide to get past that you don't have to continue that cycle of what their parents did to them and what their parents parents did to them you know like it is, it's a, it's a, it's an ancestral, like, trauma and it cycle. Is. It is. And you're the black sheep. And they Break say the black cycle. sheeps are the ones who break that shit, and it sucks. <laughs> well, but it, it's, I think what it boils down to is because of that conditioning, we do have such societal pressures that are pushing us to be this and that when it's not really true in our nature, and it's just, like, going against the grain, really. Like, the black sheep do it differently they break that mold like they have the courage to do it they have the courage to stand up and say this is not good enough this is not what i want my life i i can be aware of like what my lineage has done 
You know, like, I do not want to be this person and I can make a conscious choice. Being self-aware, really. Exactly. Yep. Just being self-aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Growth. Growth. Just, and it's not a bad thing. It's just knowing, you know what? That's not for me. So with your addiction, when did you start? I'd say that it definitely started, like, when I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a kid. And they give a fucking 10-year-old Ritalin. <laughs> here do what you gotta do and it doesn't put me balls to the walls and I'm, it just gives me or it does put me balls to the walls and it gives me this feeling that I'm like holy shit what was that <laughs> and then you chase that the rest of your life and then when you grow up you see what your parents do you mimic what your parents do you think that's okay in society like you look at like people that have like sexual abuse in their family from when they're younger they think that's okay in society when mm -hmm. they grow up the kids so they look at it like oh this is normal this yeah. is what's supposed to happen you they know? expect it yeah well you don't know any better you don't, exactly you don't know any better so growing up in a family where you see drugs and alcohol all the time you're like oh this is this is an okay coping mechanism i was gonna say because i was prescribed Ritalin in third grade. Yeah, yeah. But I was never given the option to have... I never had control of it. My mom gave me one every day, you oh, know? like yeah, yeah. So the difference of that and, like, you seeing them... You said your mom did pills? That was recently. So, like, when I was younger, I noticed, like, it was cocaine and alcohol. Um, I, like, separated from my dad for a little while. My dad was drinking a lot when I would see him on the weekends and stuff like that, but my mom would still be doing cocaine. I'd find rolled up dollar bills and stuff like that all throughout my childhood. Like, I'd be keeping never, those dollar bills? No. Like, <laughs> my mom would spend a lot of time in the bathroom, you know, just <coughs> she'd come out with her lip bugging, picking at my face, looking like her face is certain things. When you're, when you're see something every day, you notice when things are off, when things are wrong. At least I do. You know? I didn't. I was not as self-aware as, or just like aware as you I think but I wasn't around him 24-7 either yeah I was there on like certain occasions but now that I look back I remember them going into the bathroom all the time and finding rolled up dollars I remember all of that but I never like put two and two together because I wasn't raised around that environment to know what that even was and like I, I give it to both my parents they try their best yeah and they, they and that's where all of the change comes from you have to forgive your parents for how you were raised and once you realize that it wasn't their fault and that they were trying their hardest that's when you move and you start figuring out what's going to happen next or how how can i do my life differently based on how i was raised and get a different outcome and that's where the experience of life comes in you learn from your parents mistakes as you get older sort of say if you choose to if you choose to absolutely and until i feel that way like, I'm not thinking about kids or anything like that, you know what I'm saying? So. so your first experience in jail, tell us about that. Tell us what led up to it and about it. So... If you want. I can talk about it because the case has been closed for <laughs> a few years now. But um, I was early on in my drug addiction, 22 years old. I was trying to be the big shot of the town and stuff like that. And uh, I just... Broke up with this chick and uh, was like, had myself in the house, like by myself in my head. And my homeboy was like, yo, let's go out. Let's go have some fun. And he gave me a couple Xanax. And I took some Xanax. And I woke up in a holding cell, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. What so happened? I had gotten into a fight or flight response and somebody had hit me with mm. a like toe chain. It was like 10 links of a quarter inch toe chain and uh, just like fucking like old western saddle like well, went around their his, head and he just was watched using it. it. He was using it as his dog's leash. Oh, you know like shit. he had this pit bull and it was a dog and he was drunk walking on the beach um, and like we were out there and he just kind of like shit. came at us and like I didn't know anybody was behind me. I thought I was just by myself. I thought everybody I knew stayed in the car and stuff like that. And uh, like he swung the chain and like I just kind of went in fight or flight mode and just kind of 
it wrapped my back and we got into an altercation and my knife got pulled out and he got stabbed and he lived he's not dead like i i i have yet to take in any benzos um, i've really like that was the changing point in like okay i need to control this side of me because it's very scary as what can happen if i let it out and that's where a lot of my like mental work started after that so i'm very thankful for my first experience in jail it changed my life and brought it through this crazy whirlwind and i wouldn't change any of it I, i'm not gonna lie it was it made me all of those experiences made me into the mindset that i have today and i'm very thankful for all of them the dude was like uh pretty much an asshole like he was a and drunk just guy the whole ass chain around you so i feel like it should have been like self-defense it but... was it was but like the dude had like a lot of aggressive charges like assault on child assault on a female like, she's not the best guy i i, I hit the right guy you know? <laughs> like, i defended myself against the right person like i sat in jail for a little while it cost me loads of money in, in lawyer fees but I eventually got it dropped down to a simple assault, uh, which was a misdemeanor, but before that it was a class C felony, so yeah, it was pretty wild. My first ever charge, my first ever time in jail, and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> this food sucks! Huh. Get me out of here! Yeah, yeah it was wild. But like, like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy, like, I'm sure there's like crazier parts of the jail where like the crazy people are and stuff like that but like the pot there's I was levels. in was just like <laughs> there's levels yeah there's levels to it you know it was just a bunch of like drug addicts and that's exactly what it was you know people that like were addicted to something and would like steal stuff or stuff like that there was like I was the only violent offender in that pod I think it was because it was my first charge you know it was they looked at it like, oh, this kid has no idea what he's getting into. He does, he's just not even awake. He's not there right now. Yeah. So we're just going to stick him in here. <laughs> so, it was wild. There was this one podcast, and he was saying, like, his mom was kind of manic. She just screamed. Like, that was how she showed her love. That was She was passionate is what he thought. Yeah. And so he always looked for that love in other women. So, like, if they were just normal women, he didn't feel the passion with them. I never, like, growing up, I, and, like, uh, here until here recently, I never felt like I was confident enough in myself to approach women like that and just, like, take a pick like most guys do. Like, I was always like, if it comes to me, it comes to me, and that's what I just thought, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And I think that stemmed from my parents, cause always looking for, uh, like, the most... Like, always hoping that I would get this one thing and settling for this every time. So it kind of just deterred me from putting my efforts out there, you know? like. I, but also your unseenness. Yeah. Yeah. Like, feeling unseen as a kid, what would make you feel seen? You know, like, it stems back into that as well, the yeah. unseen. I think... A lot of the times when we meet people, we come into this cycle where we're meeting similar people with similar traits. Well, you vibrate at a certain frequency. Yeah, that and too. You get the same frequency back, right? So, like, you do have people that are just vibrating towards you that are going to, if you are in a shit place, they're going to be shit people. Oh, for sure. And, but, like, <laughs> It's like the generational curses. Like, if we don't break them, if we don't see them, we're not breaking them. And it's like, okay, so narcissism. I can see narcissistic personalities in a lot of the relationships throughout my life. It's been, like, something that I needed to be more aware of. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. been since childhood. Like You think it's okay. Exactly, because that's what seems normal. It's the love you normal. think that you deserve. It's exactly. the love you accept exactly. because you've gotten it your exactly. whole life. So it's being aware of those traits and saying, uh, mm, nah, I'm good, dog. I'm good this way. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> like, a lot harder said than done. Yeah. Yeah, and that all goes back to, like, recognizing those. Absolutely. If you don't recognize them, you'll never be able to fix them. And that goes Absolutely. to everything about your life. If yeah. you think you see a fault or you want to change something, 
you have to recognize where you need to change, otherwise you won't change. Absolutely. And sometimes that is literally the hardest part because sometimes those parts are like so embedded in us that we don't want to change them at all. So you went to jail. What age was that? Like, how old were you? 22. What was the next significant thing in your life? Or, like, give us a synopsis of your... That's what it is. Synopsis. Syn- no, it's... Is it summary? Synopsis. They're both the same. Okay, that's what I, th- that's what I thought. I don't know why I get, I'm getting that confused. And Anyways, back to you. Carry on. So, uh, right after that, uh, I got out, and, um, like, that's when I would say, like, I started turning from cocaine to, like, pain pills, and then that's when, like, it eventually turned into a full-blown heroin addiction, you know? Um, It was a wild ride, like, I was um, doing pain pills and cocaine at the same time, and then... Eventually, it just started, and I started doing heroin, and, like, within a year, I went from good job, like, paying my rent, my my mom's rent, um, had a nice car, you know, like, two cars, and, like, I had a car and a truck, and just whatever I wanted, and, like, within a year, it was wild, homeless, living on the street, like, Still working, still working at this concrete company, living in a tent right outside there, like in and out of jail two or three times after that. Um, And then finally, like 2017, uh, I just decided I was like, when I went to jail that time, it was really for some dumb stuff. It was a DUI and a probation violation. And I sat in jail for 10 months and the DUI got dropped and the probation violation got dropped um, and it just kind of like was something I needed in my life. Uh, It put me on the uh, speedy path of recovery right after that. I got out of jail uh, August 8th, 2018 and um, started my business January 9th, uh, January 19th in 2019 Um, and it was a wild ride. I don't think I was ready to start my business at that point right away. Um, I slipped in my addiction two or three times, probably just from overstressing myself. Um, like that being your, uh, what would you even call that? I looked at like so many people were expecting it and like thought that that was going to happen and it just happened. Um, you know, you kind of like manifest anything you think about or what you're around into yep. your reality. So yep. If you think about it, like, now when I get triggered I try and change the path like I've done it probably two or three times in this when we've talked about it um, I, I said it once when I was talking about the negative stigma around addiction mm-hmm. um, so me and my therapist talk about like if I get a thought about it or I get triggered instead of putting it to a negative like oh this is going to go into a relapse or something like that like put it into like, nah, I'm better than this, I'm past this, I'm catching it early first, right away. Changing the mindset of the thought changes the path that it goes down. And if you can get it to a positive path, you can eventually like prevent them from being negative and affecting your life, you know, like, that makes sense. Like what we were saying earlier. Well, and I mean, I think, uh, I think actually me and you, Robert, (coughs) um, me and you were talking one day about how about that very same thing like I was telling you how manifesting and like what you say your words have power so like what you think of yourself and how you speak to yourself is very powerful so why would you consistently say which and I understand the thought process when you're first like in recovery from whatever it is drugs or alcohol or gambling whatever um and you you're like, okay, I'm in recovery. I'm an addict. I'm this, I'm that. I get that. But eventually in your recovery, whether it's a month, year, years, whatever, you get to a place where you are manifesting it. If you're just consistently thinking, I'm just an addict. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. Like you got to think about what you're striving towards. Like, I'm, you know, you're more, you're more than that. You're so much more than that. And that's just one aspect of your life that has been in your past that you're dealing with and trying to grow from. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel if you can find, like, the positive side of things, like, I've made it out of my addiction. I'm past that. I'm on to better things in my life. And if I can bring somebody else out of that or help change somebody else's mindset that like it is possible you can do it no matter how far down you are like mm -hmm. i was putting needles in my arm just to get high like you can recover from anything you know it's just mm -hmm. how bad do you want it and the first thing you have to do is change every fucking friend you have and think that everybody else everybody's out to get you you know just isolate for a little while get do some self-work get your mind right and fucking move forward but have a great support system when you first come come back because when i started i had no idea what I, was <coughs> I was just winging it trying to do the best i could because i knew it wasn't a life that i wanted i slipped i fucked up but you know what i'm still doing it no it, it doesn't matter what happens or how many times you fuck up as long as you get right back on that path and look at that mindset that's all it is and I don't care what anybody says. I have done great things in my life, and I'm very proud of it. So You know, and it's so funny because I think it was two nights ago, three nights ago, now that I just told Robert that I've seen his transition over time. I'm saying like five to seven years time. And this last six months of his life have been just a whirlwind that has been out of his control for the most part and it has been the quickest turnaround time of picking yourself up getting to the grind doing what you got to do like dusting yourself off i'm yep, good yep not letting it beat you down not letting it put you in this place where you're like shit what am i gonna do like Nope, he just picked himself up and went, and it was within days. It's cool. It's cool to see someone be able to just grow. They have this <laughs> saying where it's like, so it all, your mindset has everything to do with the quality of life you live, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So like if you have this house, this metaphorical house here we live in, and we know it's going to be condemned and torn down in two years. How are we going to treat this house? We don't give a fuck about this house. Yep. 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 We're going to live in filth and like yep. disgust, right? Yep. But we have this house anyways. and we know someone's about to buy it in two years for a million dollars. And if we keep putting our work Pristine. into it, Pristine. they'll buy it for even more. Pristine. Like you're, the quality of how you're going to live just by thinking in a different way. Yep. You hold yourself it just makes life value. better, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. it just in general makes life easier to live. Yeah. In every aspect, not even drug addiction. Like, shit, I can't pay my bills. Oh, wait, I'm good. Like, oh, my yeah. bills will get paid. Yeah, because if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. E either it's way. It's all energy. You're right. If you think you can't do something, you're right, you can't. Because with that attitude, you won't. Well, when you put the energy out into the world, that's what you get back. Because, like, yeah. to make a sound, you have to create energy to make a voice, right? So that is an energetic yeah. vibration. Yeah. And, and you are putting that out into a massive energy. Mm -hmm. Like literally, even your thoughts, like that is energy that you have put out into the world. If you can think about it up here and have the courage to speak it out loud, it will happen in your life. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Good I mean, or bad. Yeah, so... Exactly. Good or bad. <laughs> it's know? important. And sometimes, like, I hear where, like, you can manifest your partner, this partner that you want. And <laughs> literally, when you get it manifested, you're like, it what the good. fuck yeah, have I done? <laughs> you're like, holy shit, I manifested this and I hate it. What the hell? Like, it but you manifested it. good. Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> right. She's right now. You she know what? Right you know what? Okay. Did I just hit you hard? You did hit me hard <laughs> because my dad has always been a big believer, like manifest, manifest, manifest. And he's like, Tiffany, just like do me a favor and try it. Just like what what would you have to lose? <coughs> Put on a piece of paper what you want in great detail and date it. And I'm like, all right, cool, bet. So I did that, right? For my partner that I wanted. And I did it in great detail and I dated it. Tell me why I met my future guy that I married 
a month and later. And he checked off every fucking every box, mark. Every box. And it's like, oh, wait, fuck this, fuck every this, box. fuck he this. He checked every box. And let me tell you this right now. Some of the boxes that in my mind at the time, I'm like, this is important. Got to have it. Um, no, 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 boo boo. That was my downfall. That's what <laughs> I should have not wanted. It's what I didn't need. Like, I should have thought of the things I needed, not the things I wanted. And I don't always know what I need. So why should experience. I? Yeah. You had to experience it to know you didn't want it. Yeah, yes. yeah. It was, uh, it was an experience. It was <laughs> a roller coaster that should have been condemned. <laughs> that thing was a wooden roller coaster and you could have fucking just fell right through. <laughs> I did. Right. Anyways, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> I think I told Tiffany the other day, like I, I slowed, reality slowed me down because I wasn't ready to handle a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm learning in this go around, I'm like a hundred percent more in control of everything and it's gonna like, was it a construction business it still is a construction business so basically what I, I i did was i used to do everything like everything from small additions floorings bathrooms kitchens like it was just everything i uh -huh. could do it all now i've dialed it down to one thing and going from making 14k a month to 3000 a month and still having the same bills of 14k a month was like oh shit and these aren't bills that you can just stop payments and it's stuff like, like that it's like insurance things yeah. that keep your business afloat yeah, so you have to change these you have to change like i i uh i own a uh, corporation so like it's different and now i can change everything to like a smaller entity like an llc and that was the big change for me, I had a, a, a lot of things happen in my life and I ended up resetting and I had to think of a different way of doing things because I knew the way I was running business and doing everything was just too much for me and I had to think of something to um, get it right or I was going to lose my mental health and that was more important than anything. And that's how, and that recognition right there knew um, is how I knew I was ready for a change or I was ready to take control of my life because five years ago I would have never thought that that was an option you know before I started my business I was like yeah I can do it let's find a system and perfect it you know and I've already I've already been doing this for about six months and it's finally starting to look like I made the right decision you know like it's finally starting to look like that I can do something with this you know like a lot of companies are recognizing the quality of work I put out and where I'm going and they want to teach me and stuff so I'm, I'm very excited to start this next chapter of my business um, and the best part was like I literally turned around to Tiffany one day and I was like I think that me putting all my stuff up for sale and stuff like that, everybody's gonna think I'm on drugs again. And she looked at me and goes, fuck it, you're not. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. So I think that was a good wake up. Like, I don't need anybody else's approval. I can still do this. You know? I think that's a big shift in healing, period. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah. the conditioning of others' opinions and like we are so conditioned in every aspect of society, like what others see you as. Yeah. Like, even, like, when you go to the beach and you feel fat in your bathing suit and you're like, oh, God, what if others see my fat roll? And it's like, who gives a fuck? If they think I'm fat, like, that's on them. And who, is that going to hurt my purpose ultimately in the end? And is it going to hurt their purpose that they think I'm fat? Like, no. No. What people think about me is so fucking irrelevant. But we are so raised to, like, everything we are and do is based on the judgment of others. Yeah, yep. if you do this, you're a bad person. Or if you don't do this, you're you're... Like, everybody's going to look at Like, everyone's going to think, I'm a drug addict. Like, yeah. who gives a fuck? Then they have a problem with, like, not growing themselves. Like, it's almost like when those anyone has that kind of problem or that judgment, it's they're projecting. Oh, yeah, there's something in them. Something in them that's they don't want to deal with. So yeah. they're like, this guy's on drugs. Fuck him. Yeah, like, I mean. Hmm, Karen, what's wrong with you? At the end you of know? the day, like. Robert, who pays your bills? Who puts food on your table? Who puts clothes on your back? Who makes you happy and takes care of all the mental, you know, 
strides you've made over time you so why would it matter what joe down the street thinks if you want to we sell were told our whole life it does matter yeah exactly. like <laughs> you want to sell your stuff because some of the stuff you have accumulated in your storage unit because you don't need it anymore like other people do that in garage sales and yard sales and they don't get judged or attacked because of what they do but you know what's super fucked up really ultimately is that because your choice of medicating was drugs instead of overworking or instead of... Because we all have oh, medicating in our life. Yeah. Like, I over, I have always overworked. I just don't deal with life. I just bust my ass. So, like... But people don't look at me like they would a drug addict. And only because you, like, chose drugs or you were raised... You were literally put into drugs. You were in an environment that it was made... Made like normal, like it was made like looked it at was differently right. when you're selling things. People are like, "Oh, but if I were to go sell things, like," and that's the stigma. It's super frustrating. That is, I I will live with that stigma for the rest of my life. Well, and but, so your family still has that stigma on you. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah. My family looks at oh, me yeah. and every little Facebook thing I do, and they're like, "Oh, he's back on his thing." Whether it's a picture or whatever, I will wholeheartedly put everything I know on that statement. So I was that family. Yeah. My dad was a heroin addict. And he would like call me and be like, I'm 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 really trying. Um and he would be so open with me and honest and I know that was hard for him to do. Yes. And I would instantly just kinda of be like, you know what? Thank you for saying that. I'm grateful for that. But like I don't I never would say this, but ultimately I don't have faith in you. You don't believe it. And me. I'm yeah. not gonna believe it until I see it. And even if I see it, will I believe it? No. Ultimately. Yeah. And until I had to be put in my place with him taking his life because of the drugs, it's like I I didn't have grace for drug addicts before that. I didn't see it. I just saw him as making a choice against me. Yeah. And so I can see where the family, but that's where they haven't healed either, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. They haven't healed from your parents. Your your siblings haven't healed from your parents, and ultimately it's taken out on you at this point. Yeah, my sister, um, before my mom passed away, like didn't see her, hadn't seen her for um, a long period of time before that. And today it, it fucks with her. It fucks with her. You know, like I, I had my peace with my mom, even though I kind of resented her when I got on my path recovery because mm -hmm. I, like I said I felt like she was an enabler for a lot of my addiction um and like it just was a good thing to know that like I still had that unconditional love you know like even though life was hard she tried her best you know yeah my mom watching my mom deteriorate my mom was the whole reason why I moved down here you know she got really sick and I moved down to help her, um, and I just watched my mom deteriorate from somebody that wasn't my mom anymore, you know? Was that hard to not go back into addiction, watching her deteriorate? Um, like, I feel no, like that would I be very was, triggering. It was, you know, like, I think my, my addiction didn't really get heavy until I moved down here, you know? Like, in, when I lived up north, it was whatever you know like I didn't really I, I did like maybe a little bit of partying here and there so back to your siblings does it make you upset what do you mean that they are the way they are I guess I don't care at this point um I've realized now that no matter what I do in my life my opinion their opinion of me is never going to change. And I refuse to live my life trying to change somebody else's expectations. If you want to see any part of my life, you'll see it from Facebook. And if you don't believe any part of my life, that's good for you. It's, it's not, not my problem. Life. <laughs> so, straight up. Well, and that's how I feel. But having a twin brother, like that connection. It was very strong when we were younger. Um, it's not as stronger now. Um, I mean, it's probably just like any connection. you got to nurture it yeah, along the way. Absolutely. You know, so it's not really like... And if it's not nurtured along the way because of whatever extenuating circumstances, then it probably wouldn't be that strong in adulthood, right? Did you ever do like... In a... 
or AA no. or any kind of like group? Nope. I've never been to a recovery. I've never been through any um, like treatment centers, halfway houses, no meetings or anything like that. When did you start therapy? Um, I started therapy um, four months ago, yeah. five months ago. Yeah. So you decided and you were able to do all of this on your own essentially. Yes. Yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. It was hard. That's some fucking willpower. You know, <laughs> it was like hard. I I have certain things in my life now that balance my life out. Um and I was boss to the walls in every form of my life. These two things I have in my life are boss to the walls. <laughs> yeah. And that's where it's changed, you know. What so. are those things? Like what did you choose to do to feel fulfilled and feel happy and just fill that void I yeah guess. fill that void like what did I you do I filled those voids in my life with uh Latin dancing um uh, and motorcycle racing so with passion pa- absolutely absolutely passion yeah uh like I started dancing um in February and I have grown such a passion for that um and I started racing I started like getting into track riding um last year um, right around like August, something like that last year. What is track riding? Uh, so I like motocross. Uh, hopefully this year I'll be racing in Wira and uh, CCS or something like that. Um, but it's um, I do like crotch rocket racing on a road course. So instead of <laughs> so even more dangerous than <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, it's the safest way I could be riding my street bike. You know, we're in full suited leathers, padded leathers. We lay the bikes down at lean angle, drag knees. Um, I can drag my knee. I can't drag my elbow yet, but I'm working on it. Um, and, like, I... I, I yeah, that's man. like people who just go diving for shits and gigs, you know? Like... Yeah, it's fun. What do you mean, skydiving? No. no I mean diving. in the fucking water. Bro. I would skydive That's much what... faster than I would ever this fucking go in that water. Diving. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, next time. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I think I have, it's like thalassophobia. I know what it is. It's too much. Okay, okay. Anyways. Deep. I'll just tell you I'm going to the zoo. <laughs> um. Anyways, so, yeah, I think... Again, it's just been fun for me as, you know, an outsider looking into Robert's life because, I mean, I just, I don't know. He's like my brother from another mother. I've gotten to see his journey and it's awesome. Like, I'm very, very proud of him as a person because he truly has made his changes. He truly has evolved and like, even to the point where I can just step back and watch and see him do it within days. And it's not, it's like what would have crippled him two, three, four years ago is like nothing. And that's awesome because well, it does take, you know, it might take time, but it does happen. Just with like my dad's journey. Yeah. To see like where my dad ended up. Yeah. And like my dad was a strong ass dude. He had a lot of willpower. So like to take yourself out of such a dark place by yourself and just be like, yo, I don't want to live like this anymore. And then just fucking do it. It's hard. I can't even do that with eating sugar. Like it's super hard to have the willpower to like survive and to just stop and just change. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Because it goes against everything you were raised up with Robert because like absolutely it it goes goes against against everything every grain that I was brought up with you had to rewire you probably still have to rewire every day your brain every day day. and that's where I think my self-awareness comes into like help me because I've noticed more um and like it translates to it literally translates to every part of my life like because I'm so self-aware um, because of the lifestyle I had growing up and being aware of that and being aware of life now, I find connections through every part of my life easier. So like I find connections from building or working in the construction industry for 10 years to I 
find connections from that to dancing. I find connections from dancing to racing. You know, like I, there's little key elements in life that connects all of these things together. And I'm like, this is what I'm meant to do. You know, like there's no, there's no force of anything. The community I've met on both sides and the family, uh, friends that I, I call my family now on both sides uh, are like bar none, like everything I could ask for in my life. And that fills the void more than any drug has ever done. You know, like yeah. it just, I feel at home when I'm dancing and I feel at peace when I'm under a helmet racing. You know, there's nothing going on in my life that could change the Almost like meditating in a sense. Like it you is. get into like a state of meditation during those things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't progress in both of them as much as I have in such a short amount of time if I didn't. You know, like, if if I was just there to be there, it would never click or never make sense. But because I'm there focused 100% on it, it just clicks. I feel like Latin dancing is almost like yoga. Like, it's like martial in a arts. sense of, like, learning your body and the way you can move the energy around in your body. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a whole, like, it. You become more grounded in who you are and in your body because the movement that you are like, learn you learn your body can do all these things and you're moving the energy in places it's never moved before. Yeah, and, and it's that, very healing. For me, that started with martial arts. Like when I was a, a boxer in New York, or like when I did jujitsu down here and striking and stuff like that. Well, I think life's really simple. Everything is simple when you go to you know sometimes we just have to get back to basics and a lot of the times we over complicate things you know what the simple way to say that is is trusting yourself oh yeah when you trust yourself and like you trusted that was the right decision to go do this and then it brought you to latin dance and like then you trusted that you wanted you trusted in yourself and in the universe bringing you to places well i had the courage to suck at something new also you know like a lot of people don't feel like a change or something new in their life is something that they want you know like if you go through your life and you see something that's different from what you normally do and you're like oh no I don't want to do that you still want to stay in your comfort zone I had the courage to break out of my comfort zone try something new and I turned out to be something I loved comfort zones are the worst fucking thing it's you have no growth in a comfort zone that's why it's comfortable (laughs) well Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. Thank you for sharing everything with us. And we are so glad that you're where you're at. And I'm, I, for one, am super proud. And I will continue to say it whenever I notice it. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It was definitely something new and different. It was nice. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in this week, friends. Like, rate, and subscribe if you love us and our stories. If you are struggling with addiction, please check out our resources. We love you and are sending healing, light, and happiness always. Thanks for helping us reconstruct the way we look at others. Because most of us are, or have been, or may later be, hashtag, traumatized as fork. <laughs>